0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow forgotten Americans, patriots, minutemen and Paul Revere's to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house on Tuesday, June 9th, with a lot going on. We're going to continue doing what we've been focusing on really the last two days or so as far as the lockdown and the rioting and how the two merge together. Criminal is victim, victim is criminal, illegal alien is citizen, citizen is foreigner. A world turned upside down, inside out, fundamental rights flipped on its head. There's a right to riot. There's not a right to own a business. And you see continuously how the two mix together. How basically what's happening now, and I'll be the first to say it, there is a reverse Jim Crow going on in this country. There is a growing trend where you have to subscribe to a certain orthodoxy. You have to believe in this racial supremacism. You have to believe... That for every black individual that happens to be black, seeking justice, they need extra justice, and we'll get to that. Whereas everyone else doesn't deserve any justice. And by the way, that's even when it's a black victim of crime, like David Dorn, police officer, gunned down by a career criminal. We'll get to that in a minute. Where, in order to do business, you have to believe in a certain set of ethos in this country now. You don't have freedom of speech. And it all ties back into the lockdown where government basically created this monopoly for a handful of big, big corporations that are now part of this governing elite, where it was part of the writ of passage, sort of a tax to serve there. They have to allow their businesses to be looted, but that's fine because they could cover it. And they more than cover it from the monopoly that government created for them by destroying small businesses. Small businesses destroyed By the lockdowns, particularly black owned businesses destroyed. And then the remainder of businesses, very much in particular black businesses, given the geographical proximity to the rioting, destroyed by the riots. And yet, rather than providing a bold contrast from what the left is doing. You have Republicans, you have Jared Kushner in the White House, Brooke Rollins. Jerome Smith. The whole group of coke clowns. Pushing an agenda that somehow. In order to get the black vote. Forget about the white suburban vote. You need to pursue. Not the general black vote. You need to pursue the rioting and looting vote. And leave. The black owned businesses behind. When those are the people. That are eminently gettable. In terms of any Republican or Trump winning their vote in November. This is what we're faced with. So let's unpack all of this and try to get, again, as we've done the other days, get into as much of the news on both ends as we can. It's so hard to cover two civilization-killing issues at once. President Reagan said in his famous Time for Choosing speech, Right at the end when he talked about a rendezvous with destiny in the 1964 GOP convention. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Now he was talking about foreign enemies. But today, we no longer have the luxury of focusing on foreign enemies because this is where our domestic enemies are. The bastards are at the gates. There is no more retreat that we have the luxury of inducing at this point. This is the thing. You, you you cannot go on. With the degree of anarchy in this country, you cannot continue the way we're continuing. Okay, that that, that ship has sailed. There is no Point to which we can retreat anymore. But my concern is, my concern is this that even the little you're seeing from Trump and Republicans to so called fight this issue, even the little you're seeing, they're drawing a line at the wrong point. They're focusing on abolishing the police. Now, those of you who have listened to my show for a while, I know we have a lot of new listeners, but let's explain the Overton window. Often what happens is this. Basically, the left successfully pushes levels one through nine and they're well on their way to achieving it, and they're even well on their way to getting Republicans and even so-called prominent conservatives, and in this era, even the Trump White House, to agreeing with those things to varying levels or at least not doing everything in their power to fight them. Then what they do in order to facilitate that result, they have their most extreme left come out with level 10. Abolish ICE, abolish police, and it's never going to happen in that form. Right it can't happen, it won't happen in many ways. I actually wish it would happen because that would actually wake people up from this gradual anarchism and gradual tyranny and get us to start fighting but they're 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 smarter than that and then Republicans go and they immediately send their forces to cross swords at level ten, thereby seeding the ground on one through nine and that what what it what it does is it create it moves that overton window of respectability the window of what is respectable political discourse respectable um sane political uh policy and theories now get moved over where certainly anything not quite as far to the left as completely abolishing the police seems sane and that's my concern yeah republicans aren't going to go along <clears throat> With abolishing the police. And no, no Democrat, even at a city level, much less at a federal level, is going to do that completely. But what they are going to do is make it impossible for police to serve. They're going to come with police reforms. Just like they had prison reform. And sentencing reform. And criminal justice reform. And immigration reform. Whenever you hear the word reform, you know exactly what we're up against. And what they're going to do is they're going to handcuff them. If they don't do it at a federal level, they're certainly going to do it in all the big cities and blue states. At a very minimum with a number of phony Republicans and red states pushing, you know, watered down levels of that. They're going to continue the jailbreak. They're going to continue abolishing bail, reducing bail. They're going to continue all of the things that are leading up to the Floyd situation. Namely, where you have endless crime in inner cities growing and growing and growing. Cops get called down more. They get put in hairy situations. Almost always they use underwhelming force. Very rarely you have cases of brutality, which are extremely rare. Remarkably rare if you actually look at the number of um, interactions police have under high stress, increasingly with criminals on, on, on drugs all day. That's what you're going to have, and that's what they're continuing with. Yesterday, Trump held a roundtable with Kushner, Jerome Smith, and Brooke Rollins, among others, and the entire tone was defensive. It was all about, yeah, the you know, uh, agreeing and legitimizing, validating the premise that there is somehow this injustice when the injustice is the other way around. When in fact... We are violating all rules to prosecute these cops and deny bail over and beyond what we would do with anyone charged with a commensurate degree of of a crime. Of course, police shouldn't be better off than civilians, but nor should they be worse off. Especially when this is not just a case of a police just beating someone up in a civilian setting. It was through proper interaction and a proper arrest. To the extent something was wrong, which we'll find out, It went off the rails in middle. But they got more justice than anyone gets. And it's not enough. Here's the deal. Here, this should be the top story of the day. This should be the messaging of the Trump administration. But instead, Trump calls Kushner his star. He's my star. What am I supposed to do with a man like this? what, we're voting for Jared Kushner in November? I mean, there's one thing to have slightly different strategies and opinions in your administration. But his administration is not just having different opinions, it's being run by someone with a diametrically opposed view to what he ran on. Thanks to Reagan, crime was going down for 25 years. The policies began to be reversed in the second term of Obama at a federal level, a lot of states were doing it. Crime goes back up. Deterrent goes down. Trump ran on this point, And he ran on reversing that trend. And instead, we got Jared Kushner. And we got the Koch brothers in the White House. The Koch alumni that he said he didn't want. And we get more jailbreak than we would have gotten under a Democrat. Or Jeb Bush. This has got to end. It's time for the president to pick a side. Law and order or Jared Kushner. You can't do both within three minutes of each other. Tweet out law and order and then say, hey, look at me. I did more jailbreak than anyone. Kushner's my star. No. This should be the biggest story of the day. They caught the man that they believe shot Officer David Dorn, the 77-year-old black retired cop, 38 years with St. Louis PD, dying on the sidewalk of a pawn shop of his friend that he was defending against the looters. They caught the guy, Stephen Cannon, 24 years old. Now, it turns out that this man, this man, reflects not just some sort of anomaly like the George Floyd case, but this is the rule, not the exception. Stephen Cannon is the embodiment of our broken justice system in the exact opposite way that our political class says. This is the true injustice. If we're going to embark on a journey how to prevent deaths in the context of criminal justice, well, this is your poster child. Every single one of them has a criminal history, violated parole, and wasn't locked up. It's the same story. They violate their parole, and aren't locked up despite a rap sheet. Then they get arrested again and are let go on little or no bond, despite their history of reoffending. Again and again. David Dorn should be alive today. This is your biggest news story of the day. It turns out that Stephen Cannon basically was with a group of a few people. They grabbed the guy in, I think, August 28th, 2013, beat him down severely, all to steal some cash on a phone, was charged with first-degree robbery and first-degree assault. They landed the first-degree assault charge, but, of course, he pled down to second-degree robbery. And, again, everyone's concerned, oh, are the police going to get off? They get out of things. You know, welcome to our criminal justice system. Somehow, they're only concerned when it comes to the Floyd situation with receiving justice. But they're all able to plead down. We're never able to get them on the charges commensurate to the severity of their threat assessment to society. Never. So he was sentenced to seven years in St. Louis County Court in 2014. But here's the deal. The judge gave him what's called a suspended execution of sentence, which basically means you you don't serve a day in prison. But if you violate your, you know the terms, if you committed somebody, another crime, then you retroactively have to go and serve that seven-year sentence in this case. Well, he violated his parole. A few years later, the judge declined to enforce the sentence. Then this year, at the end of February, one day, I think February 25th, He was arrested for theft, a couple other charges, despite the fact that he had that history, violated the grace that was given to him. He was out free. I don't know if there was any bail at all. If it was, it was extremely low. He had a hearing scheduled for two weeks from now, and he was out, and he killed David Dorn allegedly. This is the story of our system. For every one, Derek Chauvin's assuming he did what you know we believe he did, which is increasingly unclear. After all, why don't they show the full video? But the deal is for every one of those. There are thousands of Stephen Cannons. Almost all of the murders committed in this country, or a good deal of them, and the rapes and terrible crimes, are by people that we have in our crosshairs that should have been serving time, that they were let out on parole, they violate their parole, and they still don't serve. They're rearrested. They get out on pretrial bail when they shouldn't. Those are the holes in the system that need to be plugged. Those are the injustices that need to be rectified. Yet it is those victims of crime that have no voice. While George Floyd is being treated like Mother Teresa, like God's gift to the world, like the Pope. Has like 20 funerals for which we could violate the 10 person rule and have 500,000 people in a mass crowd during a supposed epidemic. Yet there's no justice for people like David Dorn. When I say justice, I mean not just after he's killed, but justice in terms of pushing policies that will prevent preventable murders. First-time guy is kind of hard. Like, you know, it's hard to deter the guy. Although I will say, if you start deterring the career criminals, the first-timers will think twice. There's a lot of criminology behind that. A lot of research behind that. But anyway, they got this guy on surveillance pointing a gun at Dorn. Second later, he falls, so they got pretty solid evidence. But, oh, and by the way, here, here, here's the other thing I wanted to mention. A second suspect was arrested. Jimmy Robinson was charged with burglary, armed criminal action and stealing. He had a He had a past criminal record as well, but despite that, he's let out. I don't know if he posted it yet. But he was offered thirty thousand bond. Now I want, I want you guys to think about something for a minute. Let's put Chauvin aside for a minute. The the main cop that is accused of killing George Floyd, the other three cops. Okay, one the charging document doesn't even build a case of what he even did. Barely mentions him. That's the the Tao Tao guy. I don't know how to pronounce his name. The other two officers, Thomas Lane and Alexander Quang. We're undergoing literally their first week of training, and Chauvin was the guy training them. There's nothing they could have done. Those guys are being held in lieu of a million bond, a million bond for somehow like aiding and abetting. When this Jimmy Robinson guy, who was with the murderer of David Dorn, of a cop, 30,000 bond. You tell me where the equal justice is. This is the ultimate case of projection. This is reverse Jim Crow. And by the way, one of the cops I just mentioned is black. Or at least half black or Middle Eastern. It's hard to tell. He's not white. But folks, look, you know, you know, I always want to be tougher in crime. And, and, And if a cop does something, then, you know, you should get punished with the full extent of the law. But I think we all recognize, you know, let me just give you an example. Let's say you have a certain type of murder where typically the civilian will get out pre-trial and typically he'll wind up getting 8, 10 years. Okay, let's just say. Then you have a white cop who is accused of killing a black individual and they make it racial as if somehow it was like a white supremacist. Or you know what, let me make it even better. Let me me say, let's say the guy was a white supremacist, straight up. Okay, had tattoos. Straight up white supremacist. Okay, but did the same thing. And they give him the death penalty and he's not let out pre-trial. Now you know my opinion is if someone's guilty of murder, they should be hung. But I think we should all be a little bit disquieted by inequality. Okay, None of us want that. All of us want that whatever the law is, it's equally applied. And none of us should want the mob and rioting dictating what judges do rather than the, the, the letter and the spirit of the law. That is very scary. And what I'm telling you is, I don't, whatever you think here, Chauvin being held on that much, being charged with second degree, the other three being held in a million bond, There is no way. I'm telling you folks, I find first degree capital murder cases all the time where the guy is held like 100,000, 200,000. Second degree, which is really third degree, 1.25 million. And the guys that were accused of aiding and abetting on very flimsy charges, a million. Bail. I cannot find a similar circumstance. And the judge, you read it, literally said, like, community, the concern of the community, literally said it's like people want it. I mean, Because you you think about it, justice is is prison, is on the back end. Beforehand, it's really about two things. It's about ensuring they, they don't abscond and they come to the trial. And two, like a security threat. Say what you want about cops, even when they are wrong, but... Even a clear police brutality, they they tend not to be a general threat to the public. It's in the course of doing their job. Let's say they took it a step too far. Doesn't mean the victim doesn't deserve justice. But they're not nearly the threat of a career street criminal that randomly attacks people. If you let them out. In terms of absconding, a random street criminal could abscond and leave the country. Whereas these guys, they are marked. There's not a corner of this freaking earth, even in Greenland probably, where they could even go. So give me a break, okay? This was 100% politics. It's not a matter of defending them. I'm just saying you don't want a political crime to somehow be worse. If you have a certain standard and something that's viewed as a white supremacist crime, here it certainly wasn't. But I'm saying, let's say it literally was. But it's got to be applied equally. You know what I mean? Like, let's say you have a horrible white supremacist that just, like, beats a black man in a certain way. Doesn't kill him, beats him. And he gets 10 times more than someone in a reverse situation. From my end, I don't mind the stronger penalty. I like that. But we should always have that. But if we're not going to have that, there's something very disturbing when we apply it, you know, selectively. But, but, but this is the thing. Where is they, they got justice. They got more justice than anyone else. It's solved. Where about this systemic discussion about systemic injustice against victims of crime of all races? Nothing. And why is it, you know, obviously there's a limit to what you can do on a federal level. Trump needs to push legislation to make it tougher. Um, for make gun felons pay more. Those that are caught in felony possession, it's already federalized. So whatever, make it tougher. These people get out left and right. They're caught with a a firearm after committing felonies. It's a perfect way to jujitsu the left wing gun control agenda. But yet, yeah, in a state like Missouri. Republicans have super majorities. They have the Attorney General, the Governor. Why is it that they don't plug these holes? How you could violate parole? You know, first of all, the ability of judges to give these suspended sentencing, the violation of parole, the low bail for those that have demonstrated themselves to be repeat offenders these that, that that is what i just said in the last 30 seconds that is the entire enchilada you deal with those issues you prevent more than half the violent crimes in this country which by the way is thousands of black lives no discussion of that from trump from the administration from republicans and again just speaking of missouri this is a growing problem in missouri where are these people Just last December, we had a similar situation with a retired cop. A circuit judge suspended an entire 20-year murder murder sentence of a teenager who killed a retired St. Louis cop last year. Justin Matthews was convicted um, of murdering retired St. Louis Police Sergeant Ralph Harper in 2018 during a robbery of the officer himself. They robbed the officer in front of his nephew's home in December, just a couple months ago. Missouri Circuit Judge Michael Noble suspended the 20-year sentence and ordered the 16-year-old to enter a program at Juvenile Hall, which will enable his full release at age 21, I think, in just uh, four or five years. Folks, where's the justice crying out for that? This is what I don't get. Where is the bold contrast from any Republican, state level, federal level? The people are starving for this. You know, for all the talk about, oh, you know, somehow all all blacks want looters. No. There's a poll just from September of last year in Minneapolis. And the reason you had this poll is because they polled whether they wanted, there was this initiative to actually expand the police by 850 patrol officers in Minneapolis. And guess what? Guess what? 63% supported that idea to expand the police force by eight hundred fifty 50 officers. But an even greater share of non-whites expressed support. An even greater share of non-whites articulated their concern about the rising crime, which was, yes, already rising long before George Floyd. According to the Bureau of Economic Research, my friends, 41% of black-owned small businesses have been destroyed by the lockdown. 41% of black-owned small businesses have been destroyed by the stupid lockdown. Now the riots are destroying so many of the remaining businesses, disproportionately black-owned businesses, in inner cities. Jared Kushner was part of the group in the White House That weakened the president's stance on both the lockdown and opposing and confronting the riots earlier and more swiftly. The results of both policies have been devastating for the very black voters that would be gettable. The business owners. Can you imagine the narrative we could have? Oh, we need to be liberals to get the black vote. How about you stand on principle being tough on crime and then the president leveraging the next legislative fights to exact concessions from blue state governors to, to ease the lockdowns, which are still pretty strongly enforced against, you know, so it protects business owners. But this is how this entire half an hour discussion comes together. Lockdowns destroy businesses Destroy small businesses, which were, was always the bulwark against monopolies and the beacon of American independence, ingenuity, and freedom in this country. Prosperity. You make it that we're all reliant on big business, which is in bed with government, in bed with the racialist Jim Crow agenda. With the open borders agenda, with every sick agenda, all the big businesses are, are, are in cahoots with it while crushing small businesses, crushing them from riots. The big chain stores will be able to operate in this climate. Small businesses cannot. Let me read to you from the Bureau of Economic Research. Social distancing restrictions and demand shifts. This is from the abstract of a brand new paper that came out. Are expected to shutter many small businesses, but there is very little evidence on it. Impacts. The paper provides the first analysis of impacts of the pandemic on the number of active small businesses in the United States nationally. The number of active business owners in the United States, the number of active business owners in the U.S. plummeted by 3.3 million, or 22%, over the crucial two-month window from February to April 2020. 22% of all businesses. And of course, they note that the drop was the largest on record and losses were felt across nearly all industries. But African-American businesses were hit especially hard, experiencing a 41% drop. Latino business owners dropped by 32%. Asian business owners dropped by 26%. Immigrant-owned businesses experienced substantial losses of 36%. Where's the justice for them? To this day, Trump signed those stupid bills early on. Could have done a much smaller short-term bill, put conditions in there, what the states can and cannot do with that money, gave them a blank check to fuel, legitimize, validate, and literally fund a long-term shutdown when we warned against it twice. And all Trump could do was savage Thomas Massey with the guts to stand up to Nancy Pelosi on it. Folks, this is unforgivable. Either Trump's president or Jared Kushner is. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. Let's go through some more reverse Jim Crow. More reverse Jim Crow here. Remember, we talked about this trend of motorists that now find themselves surrounded by a mob. And basically they don't get out of the way. So you either have to run one over. Or you have to get beaten. You're not allowed to drive your car head. You're not allowed to use your gun. The new Jim Crow. And I'm sick of this. They talk about lynching. They have this new lynching bill. That passed the House. It's in the Senate now. Rand Paul is holding it up. Um, but even even him, I think it's only because oh, it's it should be state, not federal. But my point is fundamentally, most lynchings these days, mob violence, just, just that just grab someone and rip them apart. That's how I define a lynching. Who commits most of those group predatory violence? Okay. I'm all for an anti-lynching bill. Just know who who it would apply to more often. This guy, Nicholas Fernandez, Latino. Okay, he's not white. According to a witness, driver Fernandez was chased by a mob. So what he did is he got out of his car and brandished his handgun. Men allegedly reached inside the car to try to take his gun and got shot in the arm. The driver surrendered himself to police immediately, and he's being held without bond. To my knowledge, none of the people who attacked him will ever be prosecuted or even arrested. This is Jim Crow in reverse. This is a Latino man. Sodom and Gomorrah. Criminal is victim. Victim is criminal. This is utterly, utterly sick. Sick. What is going on in this country? You must obey this movement. If you're a police officer or you work in any industry, you must support this anarchy. They must be allowed to set up checkpoints and block roads. And if you're a motorist, you must endanger your own life. You forfeit the right to self-defense while they have the right to maim, loot, and even kill. This is the sick country we live in. There is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. And that is now. This is not just about abolishing the police That's a straw man. This is much more encompassing. We need to oppose the reverse Jim Crow. We need to oppose the ability of these people to block traffic. There is no such right to do that. We need stronger sentencing. We need less bail. We need more re-inca- reincarcerating those who violate parole. We need the police to have an even bigger mandate. Again, they, they 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 commit a crime if police overstep and commit a crime. Believe me, there's the weight of the entire universe to prosecute them. I'm not worried about them as we see from this. There was never a point in time they were not going to be prosecuted. In fact, you as well as I know that had this happened, same story, albeit the color of the skin of the person in discussion would have been white. It could very well be this wouldn't have even gotten off the ground and they would still be surveying those officers, much less fired, much less prosecuted. They sure as heck would not have charged the other three and sure as heck would not have charged charged the guy on second degree and held him on 1.25 million. That is a fact. Where is true equality? I'm sick of this. And then if you want to start talking about the black vote, what about black business owners? What about black victims of crime? What about all victims of crime? Sick, sick country that we live in today. And, and friends, like, I mean, this is the story. This is the story everywhere. It's happening everywhere now. Murder is up 94%. This month versus the same month last year in New York City. Grand Larceny Auto up 70%. Shooting incidents up 62.5%. Burglary up 33.7%. Seven victims were shot Monday night in Brooklyn, in three separate incidents over a 10-minute period. Cops weren't there. You obviously had the massacre in Chicago, worst ever in 60 years of the weekend. One um, eyewitness who was a black pastor, Michael Flager, he told the Chicago Sun-Times, on Saturday and particularly Sunday, I heard people saying all over, hey, there's no police anywhere. Police ain't doing nothing. I sat and watched the store looted for over an hour. No no police came. I got in my car and drove around to some other places getting looted and didn't see police anywhere. This is what's going to happen. They're all going to retire, resign, get fired, get prosecuted. There's a very interesting stat I want to share with you that you're not going to hear anywhere else. According to the FBI, in 2018, we can only imagine the numbers this month at an annualized level, but in 2018... There were fifty-eight thousand eight hundred sixty-six assaults against law enforcement officers, resulting in over eighteen thousand injuries. You'll never hear about them. Do you know that if you look down, the FBI has a breakdown of it's it's um called this is not the Uniform Crime Report. It's called the Law Enforcement Officers Killed and Assaulted, L E O K A. That's an acronym for the report. It's an annual FBI report. And on table 84, they break down the victim, the officer victims. They break it down by circumstance to which they, you know, these injuries lead. You know, one's, you know, a burglary or a robbery in progress. One's attempting to arrest civil disorder, which obviously is going to go up now. Handling or transporting investigations, ambush style, um, mentally ill, traffic stops. Obviously, attempting to arrest is a big one, resulting in 9,600 injuries. But by far the biggest was 18,000. Disturbance call. Disturbance call. So they're making it seem like cops have an agenda. They're like going around beating people up. The cops are merely responding to 911 calls and doing their job and coming down. And most often, it's black witnesses or victims calling them down Dealing with a black perpetrator. Sometimes they're in progress of doing something very violent. Sometimes it's like the Floyd situation where it was a lower level crime like counterfeit. It's a store owner, but the store owner has the right to call the police. And they come down and then they get violent on you because they're on drugs. Why in the world would they ever respond to those disturbance calls anymore? And they won't. They'll come very late and just fill out the paperwork. Where is that going to leave America? This is the narrative that we need Trump to push every hour of every day until November. These are the roundtables that Trump needs to have to formulate true criminal justice reform. But we get nothing. Truly, truly sad. Criminal justice reform. New York City released over 2,600 criminals from prison during the pandemic. Okay? A hundred of them accounted for 190 arrests for crimes like burglary and robbery over the last two months. It's happening everywhere. L.A. County released 5,000 criminals. Roughly a third of their entire jail. Just release them. Several hundred were rearrested. Sacramento County's jail population fell by 30%. Orange County's prison numbers dropped by 45%. Detroit's jail population dropped by 40%. Philadelphia's by 17 And Denver's by 41%. And yes, Hennepin County the home of the epicenter of this, reduces prison population by 44%. This has nothing to do with Floyd. It has everything to do with Floyd as Benghazi had to do with that video. This was a pre-existing condition. And rather than rectifying that, Jared Kushner and his minions want to exacerbate it. Truly, truly disgusting. Folks, in the remaining period of time, I just want to go through. We have so many stories we didn't get to. Maybe we'll start a segment every day on Daniel's Essentials. My essential reading. A lot going on. Tons of stuff. But I'm just going to randomly go over different stories. About the lockdown, about the violence, drug overdoses rose sixteen point six percent from January to April. One third of the people are more likely to drink at work now. What did we warn about? How many people are gonna die from drugs and alcohol as a result of the lockdown? Did we ever model that? Manufacturer that burned as Minneapolis protests turned violent plans to relocate from City. This is from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. It turns out that the damage is just unbelievable. Again, we talked about you want to talk about black business owners. You want to talk about an opportunity to get their vote. We should have a piece of legislation reimbursing these people. What about a stimulus? You know, they called it a stimulus. You know, businesses shut down from the lockdown. You want to get the black vote. How about, how about a stimulus for them? Turns out. That the city's first of property damage, according to the Star Tribune, shows that nearly 1,000 commercial properties in Minneapolis were damaged during the riots, including 52 businesses that were completely destroyed in 30 other locations that sustained severe damage. Black business owners, black workers. Another story, Danny Pruitt, 49 years old, disabled veteran. He was shot in the head by the peaceful protesters. Um, in Alamosa, Colorado. Shot him through the passenger window. It's from lawenforcementtoday.com. Disabled veteran is on life support after being shot in the head by one of those peaceful protesters last Thursday in a small town of Alamosa, Colorado. Small town. This is happening everywhere. 164 miles southwest of Denver. He was driving down Main Street in Alamosa during a protest. This um, surveillance, ca- surveillance camera footage obtained by that station by KRDO shows about a dozen protesters were lined up along Main Street in that town carrying protest signs. They said that a black truck pulls up seemingly occupied by Pruitt and goes through the crosswalk. The video then shows protester reach into their pocket and pull out what appears to be a gun. Protester then aimed the object at the passenger side of the window of the truck. Approximately 11 seconds goes by. Then the truck comes to a stop in the middle of the intersection. The protesters then fled the area, and the cars were driving around the stop truck for over two minutes. Pruitt was found alert in his truck about a half a mile from the scene. He was then transport, transported to the hospital. According to KRDO, some protesters claim that the driver drove through the crowd. However, Almosa police disputed those claims, saying that the evidence did not back them up. We've heard the same thing, said Captain Joey Spangler. But again, it's an ongoing investigation. I can say we have no evidence to show that he was driving into or through the protesters. This is truly sickening. Sick, sick, sick. There is no constitutional right to belligerently line the streets. And, and again, here's the thing. I can't go and have one hand of mine peaceful with the other fist an inch from your face. And if you have in every one of these protests, it's so, such ubiquitous violence, government does have the right to shut them down the same way they had the right to shut it down because of the lockdown. Or you, could, you, you're, or you could confine it to certain areas. But it can't be that they get to pick the area anywhere, everywhere, and they could block streets. Oh, well, it's the other guy doing the violence. No. That garbage needs to stop. If they can't secure our roadways, the military needs to be called in. It's an utter disgrace. Utter, utter disgrace. I'm just sick of this. So that's what's going on with that. We're almost out of time here. Let's see what else we got. Judges help free. This is from Breitbart. 230 illegals in a month. Killers, rapists, sex, sex offenders. The hits keep coming. We're strangers in our own country. Hits keep coming. What else do we got here? Um... Diversity visa lottery. Proceeding as normal. State Department is notifying winners for 55,000 green cards chosen randomly with no skills. We have record unemployment. We have a country in chaos. But one thing will always continue. More third world immigration. Lovely. Trump could have easily shut that off. Remember that... So so much for that shut off. Remember the moratorium... That Jared convinced him not to implement. At some point, this guy is an utter buffoon. I'm sorry. Call me names, get upset, turn off the show if you want. Put down the pom-poms and fight. Let's prod the men to push things that are worth that are worthy of defending. And then we then there's just amazing. Um Virus news. Satellite data suggests coronavirus may have hit earlier. It's from ABC News. As we we proved, it wasn't November, it was much earlier. It was likely in the Western countries already in late November. Another news, the USS Roosevelt. Remember, they tested 25% of the 4,800 people on the ship tested positive. But now 60% who submitted themselves to an antibody test had antibodies. So that means that likely many, many more had it. Because remember, the testing is only, PCR tests are only a sampling of that time, but they tested people very late. This thing, as we well know, was going on for a while. They could have had it and recovered, didn't test positive, now they have the antibodies. So if you extrapolate, that means that 2,800 aboard had the virus, just one person died. That's a death rate of 0.03. And again, it proves, again, that so many more are asymptomatic. And of course, yesterday, the big news, the World Health Organization, came out and said, as we have been saying, asymptomatic don't really spread. Oopsie daisy. The entire premise of locking down and quarantining everyone was a lie. There we go. Spain government now says that the difference between 27,000 COVID deaths and, and total excess deaths of 43,000 are all lockdown related. All of those 16,000 excess were people who died. Um, people with cr- chronic illness who are too scared or waited too long to go to the hospital. You extrapolate that in America for our population and you'll easily get up you know close to 100,000 people. If it's a similar dynamic. So there you have it, folks. There we are. Lie after lie after lie. Where is the political party articulating what we articulate on this show, my articles every day? Where's the movement that is pushing for the policies and the messaging? Why is there only one side on, on the playing field? And the best our side will do is take the most extreme talking point of the other side and like half-heartedly oppose it. Don't abolish the bullies. It's not the point. It's not what they're even doing. They're doing worse than that. It's more dangerous and more subtle. But folks, the bottom line is we have criminals being treated like victims and victims being treated like criminals. We have an opportunity for the president to provide the boldest contrast of all time. And yet we continue to see muddled messaging, pale pastels, instead of bold colors. Mr. President, it is time to fire Jared Kushner, Brooke Rollins, Jerome Smith, and all of the people that stand diametrically opposed to everything you ever ran on. Three and a half years might be late, but it's never too late to fulfill your promises, especially when you're hoping to get reelected anyway. Folks stay knowledgeable, stay informed, stay safe, and stay armed.